dark fiction from across the pond. And we'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact checking and corrections are encouraged. This episode is brought to you by Funwise Capital. Funwise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals and connect with Funwise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business now. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. We have another edition of Meet the Author. And with all the authors that I've been having on lately, you would think maybe I would learn to read. But that's not exactly how it works. I'm a little bit slow in the uptake. And especially, as you know, uh, if you follow the program, I have not been uh, feeling all that well. A bit under the weather. The voice is finally halfway back um but the brain cells are still not halfway back still floating in and out so uh reading is a little difficulty uh, a little difficult see that and speaking is also a little difficulty uh tonight my guest is a, another author who uh specializes in dark fiction and i'm puzzled by people who write dark fiction because I, I have this idea in the back of my head that they walk around with creepy thoughts all day long. I mean, because generally, uh, you are what you write what you know about, right? Uh, anyway, we'll find out in just a moment. Keith Anthony Baird is the author of The Jesus Man, a post-apocalyptic. See, I'm still having difficulty talking. A post-apocalyptic tale of horror, next next a lexicon, and a dark horse dreamt of nightmares, uh, which is a book of shorts, and many other creepy dark works. He is currently working on a dystopian novel called Synthetica, or actually uh, pitching that around to publishers, and his latest release is a novella in the dark, grim dark, in the grim dark strands of the spinneret. Man, I apologize for not getting this uh, a little smoother. Uh, a fiery tale for elders, and by elders, he means me. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your minds and open your ears and wel- help me welcome in Keith Anthony Baird from across the pond. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. 
I'm sorry for butchering that intro, but uh, I, I'm making excuses. No worries. No worries. People so, can go online and they can see my stuff, so it's not a problem. The, the title of the, the new novella, In the Grim Dark Strands of the Spinneret, A Fairy Tale for Elders, seems like it would be easy for people in the UK to just like roll off their lips, but people on this side <laughs> of the pond, probably not so much. <laughs> well, to be honest, there's, there's people over here who just kind of like looked at me and went, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll explain it. Basically, the spinneret, yeah, is you know, a spider. You've got the abdomen, yeah? And then you've got the thing at the end of the abdomen which creates the silk. That's the spinneret. Uh. So it's about being in those strands. It's been wrapped in those in those strands it, it, caught in a spider's web basically you know, gotcha. that's what it's about. Yeah. okay we can make a, a dumb american uh subtitle uh caught in a spider's web now the the book cover i'm showing the book cover right now yeah fantastic artwork uh, or, uh, i mean fab, isn't it? yeah it's amazing it, it's yeah. um did you I'm, have i'm so thrilled with it yes so thrilled. Did, is this your work or did you did you uh, you work no yeah i mean what happened for this was i mean previously um prior to uh this year and releasing this title with kansas-based um, publishers bridget's gate um i was staunch diy so i was kind of i will write them I will edit them and I will create my own covers and I'll put them out on Amazon and Audible and what have you. But um, for this one, um, I had a meeting with the publisher um, and they organized a wonderful artist from New Mexico and she's called Elizabeth Leggett. Okay. So we had this big discussion, like kind of like what we're doing now, a Zoom meeting. Um, I kind of gave... <laughs> well, tried my best to give across the ideas of what the book was about. And Elizabeth's job was to interpret that. So, but you're, what not we first, to do, you're not the first dark, dark fiction author who has worked with her on book covers. I, I'm sure she mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, she's, she's got a good history of uh, producing some fantastic stuff. So, I was thrilled to be working with Elizabeth on this. Okay. Um, and um, what we kind of decided was, was there are a lot of themes that go on um, within the book, but we kind of, we didn't want to just give all of that away on the cover. You know, we could have, we could have had spider legs and God knows what, like all over it, you know what I mean? But we thought, well, no, let's, let's kind of keep it, um, you know, centered around the sort of necromancer, of the old woman who lives in the forest, but she was young. So hence we have a kind of, um, you know, someone who looks quite young in this, but it was it was also um, tying in everything about the forest. So hence you have all the kind of twisted hazel on the tiara there, um, the, the flowers, um, the thorns. Um, I mean, essentially the artwork was um, what you see. And then I got involved and came up um, with the graphic design for the title and my name and the thorns at the front and coloring in one of the eyes to make it kind of glowing. So to give a sense of uh, spellcraft, things like that. So, I mean, essentially it's like 99% Elizabeth's work and I just kind of, I just tweaked it a bit, you know? So Well, it's, it's great that you can find an artist who can take your ideas and come up and, and deliver something 
that satisfies you and it's what you were looking for in the first place so and i mean the, the thing about it was as well matt it was just there was no kind of you know she didn't sort of produce you know something and then i said oh no it needs to go this way or it needs to go that way she just literally came back with that yeah. you know so the fact that she could just grasp what you what you're trying to say immediately is just it's it's phenomenal it really is absolutely. good for her and good for you it, it kind of i had a, a similar conversation uh today with, with some people who are in the creative world and they were talking about um the benefit of having clients deal directly with the artists or people who are creating the work for them and not to get in the way of that. I mean, obviously, a, a publisher or a publicist, whatever, is going to make the initial contact. But once that happens, get out of the way. Let the artist and, and the, and the creator, you yeah. know, sort it out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it, it's essentially it's her skill. It's her talent. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. like, you just don't stand in the way of that. Yeah, it's a it's a big trust thing too. But yeah, you, uh, you know, so uh, good for you that you you found her. Uh, I I'm I'm guessing that you probably this might be a relationship for you moving forward with any, anything you post because if it absolutely. was absolutely um yeah because I mean you know if 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 say for instance um Heather and Steve at uh, Bridges Gate if they, if they want to take on more of my titles they've you know they've got a really good working relationship with Elizabeth they. they they used it for quite a lot of their covers. So, yeah. you know, there is scope for that in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Now, as I alluded to in, in my intro, I've talked to some uh, authors of dark fiction, and it. I always think, like, what? how could you live with that? Because <laughs> for me to even get into that space, yeah. I know it's going to ruin me for a couple of weeks. If I read one of your books, and I know this, having not read your books yet, but I know if I do, it's going to stick with me for a couple of weeks, a month, and I will have nightmares, and I'll be in a, <laughs> a, so, When I meet guys like you, and they're generally normal people, I'm surprised. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not a mass murderer or anything like that, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So how, how, do you, how do you balance that? Is it is it therapy for you, or because as an author of this stuff, it doesn't stick with you, and you're not giving yourself nightmares constantly? I would say, out of everything that I've written, um, and I mean, I, I came to the game quite late. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't start um, writing fiction until I was like 45. Wow. You know, and I'm 53 next month, so I've been doing it for like eight years. You know, um, I mean. Previously, uh, throughout my life, I was um, I was a journalist, so I was an editor. Um, but also, as you can tell from this, I was in bands and things like that. Yeah, I I've done all that kind of stuff as well, you know. So um, yeah, but no, I, I would say out of everything that I've written, there was only one time that I sort of creep myself out. Um, it was the the very first thing I wrote was the Jesus man, the uh, post-apocalyptic tale of horror. And essentially what that is, is you take the exorcist, yeah, put it on steroids, <laughs> um, and then put it in a, in, a, in a broken world, in a future world where there's been a nuclear war and everything, you know? So it's kind of like the last survivors are faced with all of this uh, demonic possession and all the rest of it, yeah? So there was, I wrote um, a piece in that where there was a little girl now, a priest was suffering um, visions, like, um, you know, catastrophic visions, 
and it was just prior warning of what was going to happen. Well, in that, there was a little girl who kind of like plagued him and freaked him out. And she would sort of like giggle, you know, sort of cackle with laughter and sort of flit through the place and sit on the end of his bed and you know, torment him and all that kind of thing. And um, after I'd written that, um, probably for about a fortnight, I just, for some reason, I just had it in my head that I was going to hear this girl's laughter throughout the house <laughs> at like two or three in the morning or something like that. So I actually did sleep with the lights on for like about a fortnight. Um, and once I'd kind of got that out of my system that that wasn't going to happen, uh, I was fine. Um, everything else that I've written, I mean, I've written some pretty, you know, sort of hardcore stuff, um, but none of it really, it, it just doesn't stay with you. I mean, you're obviously a musician, yeah? Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So you'll be, you'll be able to relate to this. It, you'll get some inspiration will just pop out of the blue, Yeah. And you'll just go, oh, yeah, yeah. So you're riffing away, you're jamming away, and then, whoa, this thing just comes and you just let it just come through you. Well, it's the same with writing. This this stuff comes from somewhere else. You know, it, it doesn't live in your head, like, all the time. It, it's, it's just inspiration. So if I'm sat writing something, um, you know, if I get into the zone kind of thing, as as you know, um, it, it, just, it just comes, it just kind of, like, channels through you um but it doesn't stay you know yeah um, and and kind of like as well when you're a writer what you do is you write something um you you know go through the editing the revision process all the rest of it it may go off to someone else to be looked at and changed or or whatever polished um and then you've kind of forgotten about it. I mean, this this title here that we're talking about that you have plonked on the screen there, <laughs> right in the center. Um, I mean, I wrote that in March 2021, and it's being published this, this week, month. Right? Yeah, 20, yeah, 22. So, you know, like if anybody asks me a question about it, I'll probably go, um, <laughs> I, <don't remember. laughs> I, I can't remember. <laughs> you know, uh, well, it's... It, back to the music thing i've i'm experienced that a lot where people have uh, asked me to play songs i wrote a long time ago and i forget my own songs i forgot yeah. because i don't play them out with the band that much or hardly ever even when i do my acoustic solo shows i'm not playing stuff from years ago so if somebody comes up who knows the stuff from years ago and they come play, play whatever uh, i'm not sure i can <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, what what you do as a creator is you you create it at the time, and then you just move on to your next project. Yeah, but, yeah and it's it's the same when you're making songs. It's kind of like okay, we've got that one down. We just need to tighten it up. We put it in our set, but now we're moving on to creating a new one because someone's got a new idea, and that's pretty much life as an author. Really, it's just project to project. The know? creative process is something I've been chasing. For a very long time, at least 25 years, I've been really interested because everybody ha has a, a different process. And you mentioned, like, with songs, sometimes it feels like they come from the ether and they just come through you like you're almost like a radio receiver, just picking yeah, up absolutely. something that's out yeah. there. But yeah. I, And I've gone through that. But my creative process, through thousands of songs, really, has changed so drastically. And I, I, it can come in all sorts of ways. Sometimes... I can sit down with the intention that I have this idea that I just want to express. And sometimes 
I woke up with a dream uh, from a dream uh, with a song in my head that was already completely written, and I had to chase down people and say, "Do you know this song? Do you know this song? No, it's I never heard yeah. that people." Yeah. Um, so is is that? Do you have one process? Is is that what you what you what you described is where it just feels like it comes to you? Is that is that your only process, or do you ever sit down with an intent to say, "I'm going to write a book. This is the general idea I have," and then. Now, now you're stuck with the blank page mocking you. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, we we know that one very well. Um, well, it it really depends, Matt. I mean, you know, it it sometimes it it can be just one idea, yeah. Some sometimes it can just simply be a title of something. So, you know, I'll go. It'll just spring into my head. This is a title of something, and I go, oh, I want to explore that now. Yeah. Yeah. So. I literally just have a title, but no idea what it means. And, and and I can write a story from that, just literally from that spark. Um, sometimes it's a case of um, plotting. Um, going back to the, the very first book that I put out, The Jesus Man, um, I mean, you know, really, thinking about it, Matt, I would go back to the very beginning now and I would just write short stories and then I would write novellas and then I'd write novels and then I'd write big novels. But what I did, like an idiot, <laughs> um, the very first thing that I ever tackled was 103,000 words. It was a novel that big, okay? Wow. So, it, and, and you ask any author, they'll say writing a, a novel is a marathon. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. So you can kind of get to the middle and you can kind of like run out of steam, you know, and you can you, you can go, I know where, where this is going to end. I know how it's going to end, but I don't know how to get there from where I am now. Yeah. So with that one, there was a lot of, um, you know, scraps of paper here and there, like on the desk, um, pin it up somewhere. Um, I'd, I'd write a few notes down in a book. I'd take the dog for a walk and I would process all this stuff in my head. Like, how am I going to get from that point to that point? Um, and sometimes kind of, getting away from um, the work area, if you like, yeah, like the the desk and the computer and just going out into the fresh air and, and going for a walk. It kind I, of I was gonna know, ask you if you're a walker. That question was coming up. Yeah. Because yeah, that, yeah. Uh, several weeks ago I had uh Mr. Shubali on who's an author, a musician, comedian, uh songwriter, and he he's came up with this he well he didn't just come up with it on the spot he explained to me this theory that he has about walking for writers and how the left right left right automatic thing of walking kind of balances out the left right of the brain and it gives because it's automatic it can allow your creative mind to just kind of focus on an idea and develop ideas creative ideas i never heard it put that way and i don't think anybody else really has explained the benefit but i, I find most writers are walkers <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well yeah because i mean you know you have you have to get away from your desk you, yeah. you've got to at some point because you know you, you'd, you'd either run dry of inspiration or you just go bonkers you know right. you, you you know you've got to get out you can't just stare at these same four walls all the time so i i kind of for me um like when i was writing uh, grimdark strands uh, i was living opposite um a forest so looking out the window while I was writing it, you know, I was looking at the autumnal forest and then, you know, the, uh, you know, the snow that was, that was around at that time as well, at the beginning in March when I was doing it. Um, and that was very inspirational by, you know, because I, 
the central theme of, of that whole um, story is based in a forest in an ancient woodland. Um, so, you know, that, having that kind of um, goldfish bowl to look at was was really helpful. Um, but I mean, it depends. You see, I mean, it depends on the length of the story. I mean, if, if say, for instance, if it was just a, a short story, which, like, say, five thousand words, it's nothing. So you can sit down and within two days you can write five thousand words. So you don't necessarily need to be out there and be um, inspired by your surroundings because you can rattle that off pretty quick at your desk. Yeah. yeah. But I think in terms of um, longer works, um, you know, I think you need you need those periods of where you just put it away and you kind of reset your head. You know, because you can't live in it for so long. You just, you can't do that, you know. So. My problem is, and this has happened more than I care to uh, think about, is I go for those long weeks, and I, I, I'm hit with incredible inspiration, and I get so many ideas that by the time I get back to my desk, they've become so jumbled that I, I can't remember what, what was the thing that I thought was genius two miles ago. <laughs> yeah. Ah, see, that's why you, you need you need to record it on your phone yeah, or something. Yeah, just say it in your phone, and then you know you'll you'll when you get back, you you sort it. Get to the rehearsal room, get to the studio, and and just and go for it. I mean, I remember from my days of being in bands. I, you know, I'd, I'd just wake up at four o'clock in the morning, and I'd go to the toilet. You know, yeah. and then I'd be like, "Oh, there's an amazing riff." You know, this this idea would just come into my head at four o'clock in the morning when I should be asleep. You know, right. so. You know, these things hit you, like, whenever they're going to hit you. It's just I'm glad you didn't say 3 o'clock, because then I would have really thought there's something demonic about you, because 3 <laughs> o'clock is, is the witching hour. But let's let's take a step back here. Uh, why dark? Uh, I mean, I could see wanting to explore the dark side of things. I could definitely see that, because there is intrigue there. But it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like you, you're exclusively dark. <laughs> right? Was your music dark? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we'd write stories about serial killers. uh, Sorry, songs about uh, serial killers and and all kinds of crap like that. But um, it doesn't, you know, this whole thing about, I mean, I know lots and lots of um, horror authors and dark fiction authors. They're just lovely, normal, everyday people. You know, it's, it's like, You've got you've got all of Hollywood, you, um, you know, you, all all of the horror movies that are created there. You know, the people that put those together, the huge cast that work on them, and all the rest of it. You know, they have a love for that because they kind of like the adrenaline of it. But they're just normal everyday people, and it's the same. You know, you go see a band like uh, Ramstein or something like that, or you or you go and see uh, back in the day Black Sabbath, and you know, whatever. It's like that's that's a presentation. You know, it's it's not who you are. It's kind of like a persona, if you like. Um, and it, and to a certain degree, I think um, you know when when authors write something, that in itself is like kind of a a presentation, a, a theatrical presentation. You know, like it's like this is the story. Come and come and watch it. Come and live it. But because you have the ability to create it, you know you have to have a lot of empathy and you have to you have to um you have to have a lot of feelings yourself because you have to know how you're going to trigger people how you're going to push that you know if you were a sociopath 
you wouldn't know that because you don't have any feelings. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so people who write dark fiction are absolutely no different. From, you know, this, this stuff doesn't live in my head 24-7. You know, you know I, I go and, you know, make, make my dinner and I'm not thinking about, I'm not thinking dark thoughts. <laughs> right. well, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the the custard I'm going to eat or, or whatever, just like anybody else. <laughs> I accept that, and and you know what, your 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 personality definitely shows that. But uh, this is the question, I guess: Do you communicate with your readers? Because I would think, even though it doesn't stay in your head, the people who read your books might be haunted by it, and maybe it does stay in there. Do you do you have that kind Not of yeah, I I, talk, I accept that 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 is the case. I mean, I mean, a lot of publishers, you know, in terms of dark fiction, you know, are really getting uh, in the last oh god, I would say maybe three or four years or whatever. Especially the small presses are really getting clued up as to putting um, trigger warnings, content warnings yeah. in, into their books, and it's kind of like a standard thing. That now. sucks. I hate yeah. that. Do you? Uh, yeah, well, because. It's like it's not it's not censorship, but in a way, you know what? People should be adult enough to say, uh, "I'm uh, two two chapters in. This thing is starting to creep me out. Put it down and walk away from it, and, and be responsible for the content." You know, it's almost like the record record labeling thing of the 1980s we had here in America, which I thought in a way entice people because if th something was ra you know rated mature adults only that would make kids want to want to do it but i don't know it, feel, it feels like a first step towards censorship when you have to put warning labels on or any of that kind of um i mean i mean i, I know this you know and there's i know there's sort of divisive thinking over this um you know some there's certain camps think one way and you know some people who think that well it's horror so you should know what you're expecting but at the end of the day i think you know, there are people out there who maybe, you know, experienced sort of things in their lives, you know, which have left them scarred and, and traumatized, you know, real world things. Right. Um, you know, and just just for them to be informed, I think, is is OK, because then yeah, they can make yeah, a choice. Right. No, you know, they, they, can, they can make a choice. As, you know, if it says on the back, uh, you know, this this contains, you know. Yeah. Sexual, uh, you know, violence. Oh, that, or, yeah, that, that's you, cool. You know what I mean? And someone can say, "Oh, I'm not going to go anywhere near that," and that's fair enough because obviously they've been well and truly traumatized by what they've been through. So I, I think um, I'm going to start doing that on my morning show. This show contains sexual content, violence, and other stuff that may, and maybe it will increase my ratings. I don't well, know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's the, hey, it's your show. You, you do what you do, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it, is the process enjoyable for you? I mean, the actual process of writing the book? Or it, for me, sometimes songwriting can be painful and and feel like work but i just want to get it done because i knew i had that idea in me are you you know do you enjoy all of the process of writing or do you ever get like yeah i I, I totally hear you on that because there's there's times when it feels like work yeah um, yeah and you you know you just i think at that point you just have to grind it out you know you you, you just have to say well look okay, here i'm going to put the the effort into this um, I mean, because you can't, you can't, 
be inspired like all of the time you know that would be great if you could if it, if it just came out of the blue all the time you'd be like hey i'll just rattle loads of this stuff off you know right. but um but you can't and, and no one can you know not even the keith richards of these worlds or you know whoever it it, it just you know you get that inspiration sometimes and, and that's and that's gold it really is but a lot of the time it's it's about hard work and it's about craft it's about you know really sort of being dedicated to your craft good for um, you and I, yeah. you know that's that's the same for any creator for, for musicians for artists for photographers sculptors whatever you know you have to you have to put the effort in you have to put the work in and, and sometimes things just don't go where you want them to go yes, you know i know um, <laughs> you know sometimes it's trying to put a square peg in a round hole but you know, but then you can maybe leave it and come back to it, and you'll, you, you know, you will get that kind of moment of wow, that's that's what I need to do with this, and, that, and that's it. You, you're up and away again. So, yeah, get it. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely not a straightforward thing. I mean, if it was, everybody'd be doing it. <laughs> I don't, uh, maybe I don't know because I think that about a lot of things. Dancing is one of the things that I always look at people, and I know people who just make it seem natural, and they think. Uh, it was, you know, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But now, nah, you know, some people are just introverts and don't want to dance and don't want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Know. I mean, there's a lot of authors who are introverts who, yeah. you know, probably wouldn't even come on your show because they're just, you know, they're, they're so sort of scared of like having to maybe have their faces known or, or or talk about things that like they're not even sure like how it comes into being so they can't really describe it there's a lot of people who can't sort of put into words right. although they although they can write a book yeah, yeah. thousands of words but yeah. they, they can't they can't tell you why you know so right i want to get your perspective on something uh, let me see okay. how, let me see how i can put this because i have interviewed many people who write dark fiction some people call it call their work horror some people call it uh psychological thrillers or you know dark dark fiction thrillers or all sorts of different kind of genres like that and of filmmakers in the you know psychological thriller and horror genres and virtually 90 percent of them have have expressed to me this idea that at its core horror is comedy do, do you get any of that? Do you agree with it on any level? Because to me, the first time I was told that, I was like, wait a minute, no. But there are there were some over-the-top campy horror films where I laugh at them, but I don't think it was ever meant to be comedy at its core. This is this is the, the, the concept I struggle with. Do you agree with that at all on any level? Um, perhaps on some level, given you know the nature of, you know the nature of some horror can be quite campy and you know and is maybe a bit you know kind of tongue-in-cheek to a certain extent yeah. um but i wouldn't say that it applies you know to horror per se yeah no <laughs> jesus man a post-apocalyptic tale of horror does not no seem like it, 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 there'd be no. a lot of room for jokes <laughs> In, in, in something like that, there's absolutely zero comedy in it. It's bleak. It's dark. It's horrific. Um, you know, there's there's just not one ray of light in it. There's no hope at all. You know, so um, there's certainly no comedy value in it at all. So yeah, um, well, I I, I I tend to think of dark uh, fiction like that, but I've been told by so many people who are in that genre 
that it is comedic at its core in some way. And I'm, I try hard to see it. I try hard to understand what they mean by it. Again, I can understand it like in really bad, badly produced books, badly produced movies that are intended to be horror. There are some parts that are just laughably stupid. But <laughs> that doesn't make it comedy to me. It, make, it makes no. it Im- amateurish. Right? Yeah, really. yeah. Comedic for that reason, because it's amateurish. Right, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've not heard this from anyone that I've had a conversation with about horror. Oh, you got to watch my show every time I have one. (laughs) The thing I've been missing out all this time, yes. So maybe maybe I need to inject a bit of comedy, a bit of humour into what I do. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. So I can fit in a bit more. Maybe that's what, maybe that's where I'm going wrong. (laughs) I can't imagine, like, I'm looking at the titles here. I can't imagine just trying to force comedy into any of this stuff. Uh, that, That would seem inauthentic. You know, so. I mean, there's there's elements of conversation that I've put into some of the works, which is dark humor. Right. Um, so, so there's that. There's you know, I, I can understand the dark humor concept. I get yeah. that. Um, but sort of really beyond that, I'm not. Maybe it's just the kind of author I am. I'm not really sort of inclined to go down that avenue. You know. Okay. Um, now, for me, if for me, I want I want someone to be horrified if it's horror. I want them to be horrified. So <laughs> why? Why? That's the. Uh, uh, do you ever get like introspective enough to say why do I want to? Why do I want to terrorize people? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, okay. When I was when I was growing up, I mean, I was a child of the seventies. Okay, so hitting the early eighties when you know we suddenly had the option of having uh, video recorders in the home. Yeah? yeah. So we had the whole VHS, and we had the beat a max thing for a while which fizzled out um and then we we'd have the local video store so we'd be able to go and hire yeah Yeah. so i'm about 12 years old at this point yeah um a guy who lived in my neighborhood lived a couple of doors up and uh he he kind of right i came from a family where there was there was three children he was one okay so he just got everything that he wanted okay right. so he'd get a video recorder for his room he'd get a color tv blah 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 which was great because i could go and watch the films but what he did was he got his mom <laughs> to go to the video store and to get all the 18 rated movies all the adult movies okay so when i was like 12 i was like watching the thing um you know i was watching oh god like uh, halloween all these kind of things, all the kind of stuff we shouldn't have been watching. So I, I think really, for me, that's kind of where it all started. Um, I started reading more after that point as well, so I had a big collection of books. Now, i got to stop you here because you say you shouldn't have been watching, but you seem like a very well-adjusted adult. Uh, so it didn't really break you as a child, right? I mean. No. It didn't break me, but I think maybe, I mean, it probably did two things. It probably um, sort of set me on the path for where I am now. Um, but it probably desensitized me in, in a certain sense as well, because, you know, I, if, if, I, if I watch movies, I, I just know when the, when the jump scares are coming and, and all the rest of it. And I, I just, I don't jump. I don't react to these kind of things. And people will be sitting next to me flinging popcorn everywhere. But I, I'm just kind of like, oh, well, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, I don't know whether that's 
because of that or whether that's my writer's brain that says ah that's what i would do so you know, you know what i mean so i yeah. know it's coming kind of thing so yeah. um but yeah i mean it, it, it certainly didn't uh you know watching horror movies at a young age didn't didn't turn me you know into some, yeah. some psychopath or anything like that it's, uh, I, know, but, but, I i think at least here in america we we tend to look for things to blame when kids when people grow up maladjusted and then we look and we go back and try to oh well he watched horror films where he, he played video games that were violent and all that kind of stuff i'm not sure that you know that matters as much as parents being involved in your life and all that kind of stuff and i don't want to go down that whole you know psychological mm, path going, yeah. but you you are an example of my theory about this as long as as long as you you know what you're looking at and don't like fall too deeply into it yeah, um, yeah. i mean it was it was uh, what it was was it was pure escape because i mean i just you know i grew up in a in a small place there right. wasn't much there you know it was it was kind of there was you know the neighborhood that we had there was a few fields somewhere we could go and kick a ball around or whatever but i mean there just wasn't much to do so um so for me it was kind of just escaping that kind of like dreariness really um right. so for me it was pure escapism but I, I you know i agree with you in the sense that i think the fundamental problems with the problems in the world you know um a great deal of it is you know someone's um family experience and how you know how they grew up whether they're neglected or whether you know they're unloved or, or whatever you know so right. i don't necessarily think that outside influences you know matter a great deal i right. mean we've all heard we've all heard of you know um you know shootings that have gone on in schools and the turnaround said oh well that kid was a a goth and he was you know he, he never fitted in in school and blah blah and that that was his reason and blah 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 but you know is it really about the music he was listening to or the things he was watching is it more about how he just felt he was treated by everyone you know what i mean i i don't know you know because yeah. each kid will be fundamentally different but you know i you know in terms of to me anyway my perception of this is this is just escapism it's just theater you know like watching a movie or reading a book yeah. it's just entertainment you know yeah and, I've you know, been on a rant about that on my morning show lately because I say, you know, almost every one of these kids who ends up shooting up something or whatever, it, their parents, they were already in therapy or, or something. Parents knew they had some psychological issues and their parents facilitated them getting weapons. It's like, hello, I mean, this is not, you can't blame it on the video games. You can't blame it on the movies. If the parents are already know the child has got some real psychological trauma going on, some stuff he's dealing with, and then they go help him get a, a an AR-15 or something, that's where the blame should be, right? Yeah, there. I mean, you know, there's, 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 I think there's, uh, you know, a lot of overwhelming factors and things like that. There's cultural yeah. things. There's, there's, I agree. Legislation, you know, being able to get a gun for a start, you know, there's, there's all, there's a whole mix of of things involved in that you know so, but with the metal but, stuff that you were, were into that's where this whole conversation started back i don't know maybe you were you were still a kid in the 70s i remember yeah. it starting with black sabbath and uh you know deep purple and led zeppelin and, and those bands 
Uh, and Led Zeppelin certainly had some imagery in their music that made it kind of remind your cover reminds me of Robert Plant's sensibility. <laughs> this cover I'm looking at right now, <laughs> but you know that's what people started talking about this link between heavy music and and you know boys mostly growing up yeah. maladjusted. Yeah, you know? I think I think they, I think perhaps you know they needed to pin it on something. You know, and there was a, like you said, there was a lot of bands dragged into court and had to had to explain and defend themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, over essentially, you know, they weren't they weren't trying to program anyone's head with what they were doing. They were just making music. Entertainment. So, it was entertainment. Yeah, it's an escape, exactly. just yeah. like your books. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, have you? Uh, and this, I'm taking a diversion just for a second. We'll get back to the writing, but. Have you left music in your past, and if so, how? Because I've never been able to. I mean, I've I've said I quit music at least a dozen times in my life, but I never have. I'm still gigging at 64 years old. Oh um, wow, that's cool. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be gigging until you die. You'll probably die on stage. Or I, that's yeah. what I'm hoping for. That's the best way. <laughs> best way to go, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, look. I mean, I did it initially um with a with a bunch of with a bunch of friends um guys i went to school with and and we we, st we started a band when i was about 17 or something and uh at that time um there was kind of like a thrash metal explosion it was all slayer and it was metallica and all this kind of stuff you know so we said right we're, we're gonna make a band like that and we did and we were actually surprisingly unbelievably we were, we were pretty good you know um and so we just thought, hey, you know, we'll take this out of our um, local area. We'll go around the country. So we, that's what we did. We, we just literally, I mean, we were like 17. And we just jumped in a van. And we just, you know, just went to the other end of the country. You know what I mean? Just played gigs, just turned up at these places and just, you know. So it kind of started there. We, we had a very sort of um, hell, we'll just do it attitude, you know, just whatever. We don't care. Uh, we just want to have fun and, and we want to do it pretty seriously and um and it, anyway that that kind of all fizzled out by the time you know we were kind of like 20 something like that so uh, we had about sort of three years of doing that yeah um, and then one of the guys actually left and he went to america anyway so um and then i kind of um i did a few other bands after that different projects again took in national around the country um you know was getting in magazines, was getting people. We played this one gig, and I was talking to the, the, the guys outside and they were asking us to sign shirts and, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, they were saying, oh, my dad hired a coach so we could all come here. You know what I mean? There was, like, 40 kids on this coach, you know, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm nobody. You're like, why would you hire a coach to come and see my band? You know, so... Um, it was good, and we, we were getting coverage in um, the magazines and things like that over here. Um, but it, again, that just kind of imploded as well, you know, because I think everybody sort of. It's got a hard. It's a really hard. Yeah, business. I mean, we, 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 you know, we shook hands on a few record deals that never materialized and things like that. So it becomes sort of disheartening, you know. So anyway, that kind of all imploded, and um, I think by that point, I'd done it for about nine nine years something like that right. so then i uh i just went oh, i want to change of scene now so i i set up a magazine it was a music magazine um and i set that up kind of like in my area in the north of the country and then it went national 
um, I got some TV exposure for it. And then I got a, a, a national distributor um, approach me and said, well, uh, you know, we'll take it national for you. So all of a sudden I'd gone from like this kind of small fry magazine to it was in airports, it was in uh, railway stations, it was on the high street, you know, and I was just kind of like, and I was down to London like all the time uh, interviewing bands that were coming over from the States. And they would, they would do a few dates in London, like at the Marquee or, or whatever. And then they'd hop off to do their European leg of their tour. So I, I would, I'd be constantly going backwards and forwards to London. Um, so, but unfortunately, that that went down the pan as well because uh, the, the printers pulled the the contract on me, and you know they wouldn't wait for the money coming back from the from the news trade because it takes like three months for the money to come back, and they weren't prepared. Yeah. So after that, I became a journalist. But fast forward until I was about thirty nine. Um, I'd been out of music for so long, and then I decided at the at the, at the ripe old age of thirty nine. Uh, that I was going to start another band again, so I did, um, and uh, that ran for about oh God, let me think, from about 2009 to about 2015. So 2015 is when I got out of it and I start being a, a writer. So okay. Yeah. Well, I am going to pivot back to the writing of the books, but I have, first I'm going to say I started the band that I'm currently in when I was 39. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was out of it for like three years at that point, and thought I was out of it forever. Uh, I, I convinced myself that you know it's a young man's game, whatever. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Like if you have, if you you feel that if you haven't made it by a certain time, then it's you know it's passed you by. I it's still feel it. that, but I, I kind of readjusted my thinking of what what made it meant to me. And that yeah. that changed everything. My outlook and my perception of what success really, how I define success in yeah. the business. And you know, being I put three kids through college, and you know, <laughs> I had that success. Yeah, it, it is. There and I go. get to play music and and do what I love. Now I I can't say that I always love what I'm doing. There are times recently <laughs> where I've had to get stoned to enjoy what I was doing, which is not not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, it takes the edge off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, okay. So coming back, doing the pivot back to your writing now, because it seems you, you said you came to it late. I mean, obviously you were a journalist, so you were a writer, but you weren't an author of fiction until 45. No, no. Now, it seems you're very prolific because I'm looking at, at your website and I'm going to go through why the website looks like the address there looks very weird to people. In the hmm. description, uh, there are clickable links to Twitter where you'll find direct links to his website, but where you find the books and all that stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. You're very prolific. Mm -hmm. I've already expressed it. I hope to die on stage. I probably will die on stage. Will you die in front of a computer with a word processor or a word, a word or whatever you use to write books? Well, no, 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 because that's that's that'd be very sad. I tell you what, I'd like to do. I'd like to be at a convention, reading one of my books, oh. and just go out and have a massive heart attack or something like that, and just that'll be very dramatic, and everyone will go, "Oh shit, look, he died!" And I, there you go. You know, I'll just go with a bang. That'll be better. <laughs> that is uh, very coincidental that you say that because uh, today, uh, while I was driving, I had the thought that 
one of my greatest performance or one of the most enjoyable performance uh, pieces I ever saw was Spalding Gray reading uh, his book in a theater, sitting at a table, reading his book called Monster in the Box. And it well, was about his... <laughs> it was about his intent to to eventually kill himself, and he actually did eventually kill himself. But it, it was a dark comedy in a book uh, and form, and it was tremendously uh, entertaining for me. But I just thought about you know what? Who would have thought that that would be such an entertaining thing as having an author read his book to you? Uh, and then you, you mentioned that that would be. Uh, you know, rewarding for you. I don't know if that's really the way you want to go, but uh, yeah, yeah, it it's was, better than being eaten by a shark. <laughs> right. You know, you know, I, I would find that pretty horrific. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. No, I can't think of a good way to die. And I, this is a, a question I've asked. I did a television show uh, uh, once about the experience of death and dying and asked a lot of people, like, how would you want to die? And nobody, people would come up with some really crazy answers. But I, nothing sounds appealing to me. Even people who say they die in their sleep, maybe this is an um, idea. Uh, because somebody, an, an English guy, <laughs> said to me, well, yeah, you think they're peaceful, but nobody's watching them. Maybe they are really, you know, in horror. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah, 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 it could be thrash, they could be thrashing about in their last moments or something yeah. like that. You just really don't know. I mean, I, I suppose... Aside from uh, dying in your sleep, if it is peaceful, I think like having a massive heart attack yeah. and just going that quick, you know, say if I was on stage reading a book and then I just collapsed. Like, now, isn't like this, think, like, your musicians do that? So, you know, isn't this help. the core of what horror is all about? Because I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, I think most people are not afraid of death. What they're afraid of is a horrific death, the, the process of dying in a terrible yeah. way. Probably, and, probably. And this is what this is what horror plays on. Is this idea of I, I don't want to go that way. Yeah, like Final Destination, that, yeah, uh, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I don't I don't want to be driven over by a huge truck, or I, I you know, I, I don't want a building falling on me, or I don't want to get burnt to death or something like yes. that. Yeah, I mean, Oh, that's horrific, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah, nobody so, wants that. So there's no, there's no end of supply of possible ways that you can frighten people. <laughs> that's a gold mine, an absolute gold mine. It's better be tapped. <laughs> now, I did mention how prolific you seem to be now, because you're talking about only eight years in the in the business, but I'm seeing so many titles out. Or is this something you do every single day? Do you have a discipline? I'm going to sit down, whether it's this hour or whatever, um, time of day that you sit down and do it every day? Or is, it seemed you would have to. Um, well, I've got a part-time day job, so I do that. Um, but when I'm not doing that, I tend to be doing something writing-related. So if I'm not directly... Uh, you know, working on a manuscript, then I'm probably doing something on social media. Um, I'm, I'm doing something every day in order to try and, um, you know, sort of build my profile up. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite lucky in the sense now that with, um, with the publisher, I've been assigned um, a publicist called uh, Mickey Mickelson, uh, Creative Edge. So I love Mickey. <laughs> yeah. 
exactly so you know and he's you know he's, he's obviously someone who you know the amount of clients he has and the amount of work he does i mean i can imagine he's kind of a non-stop guy you know um but yeah certainly um i have been quite prolific in in the eight years um i probably i probably slowed down a bit to be honest with you mark because I'm, I'm probably getting a little bit more um, picky and choosy as to kind of like that's what good. I want to do. That's a good thing. Yeah. And I I've kind of, been, I've been I preaching more that. Yeah. So um, just in terms of planning, really, um, that that's changed. Um, yeah. I mean, currently I'm doing a collaboration with another British author called Beverly Lee. We're, we're writing a, a novella together. Um, so what happens there is I will write my section, I'll send it to Beverly, she'll look at it. She'll go, all right, this is this is where it's going. So then she'll write her section. It'll come back to me. But those kind of things, are, projects like that, are, are just kind of like um, side projects because we both have our main things that we want to be doing, you know? Yeah. So, like, when I first started this, I started doing this, um, I, would, I was working full time. So I would come home on an evening and I would sit and I would get my computer out and I would work, the laptop then. Uh, and then at the weekends when I had free time, I would do it then. Um, so I was juggling it between a full-time job and doing that. And that was the same for the second novel, of roughly the same size. Um, so, and then I decided to go part-time with my work so I could dedicate more time to writing. So I guess, like, if it looks like I've been quite prolific, it's because I've put full-time work to the side so I can concentrate more on the, the writing projects. Right. You know? So um, and then after the the two the two titles that I put out, Nexalexicon and The Jesus Man, they were both huge novels of over a hundred thousand words. So I decided that, that was like three years of my life gone. Yeah. So I was like, right, I'm going to do shorter things now. <laughs> so um, I've really focused on uh, short stories, um, submitting them for anthologies. Uh, but also mainly now I'm kind of focused on novellas, which are you know they can be. Um, you know, up to just 40,000 words. 30,000 so, words. Uh, yeah, 40,000. It's, 40, you know, okay. it's, you know, an average novel is about 70 to 80,000. So I know, I know that <laughs> because yeah. I, I've been, you know, I believe me, I've interviewed enough authors and, and struggled with my own books enough to know that 80,000 number is the one that haunts me. So when you say 100 and plus, I like whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's it's quite quite involved. It's about yeah. it, it took us about a year and a half to write each one, so mm. it was three years of my life just to write two books. So, wow. Um, now let's let's quickly uh, explain. Now I have a website going across. I could have sworn <laughs> Keith Anthony uh, Baird dot com was how I found you in the first place. But when I went to your Twitter, that's what came up and that's what I plugged in. And then I was like, that doesn't. Right. <laughs> it's, be it's because I'm sort of still tweaking and building the site. It's via site123me. And I just haven't assigned a domain name to it yet. But I'm so going we'll to. say Keith Anthony Baird author dot com, right? Is that correct? Was, well, I'll maybe just uh, KeithAnthonyBaird.com. It could okay. be just something like that. I haven't decided yet, but that's what I will do once I, you know, get it completed the way I want it to. So. But in the meantime, in the description and YouTube and Facebook and wherever the wherever you're watching this, Twitch, Twitter, wherever you're finding this, in the description there are links to your Twitter and your other social media and your Amazon UK, Amazon USA, and another, yeah. one other 
Facebook. All those links are there to make it convenient for people. Or they can just find you on Twitter and yeah. click the link right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Now, uh, because in somewhere I read something, maybe it was on your Amazon page, that when you're not writing, you can be found on Twitter. And uh, before I let you go, I have to ask you about this because tonight on Twitter, I'm seeing everybody panicking, saying, RIP Twitter, tw this, this thing's going down. Yes. Um, yeah. First of all, if it goes down, will it will it have any uh, real effect? I mean, obviously, you're spending a lot of time on there, but uh, will it have a real effect on your life? No. No. I, I, th thank you. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, view, I view social media really as, as a tool um, just to reach people, um, to interact with people. Um, but also, it's kind of like, uh, you know, doing this kind of thing. Anybody who's a creator, it's just right. kind of like, it's like a necessary evil. You you have, to, you have to have some form of social media these days. So, I mean, if Twitter does implode, you know. Yeah, um, I agree. Then, and if Twitter goes down, and I don't think it will go down, but people are, you know, yeah. running around chicken, the sky is falling, chicken little, whatever. <laughs> but even if it does, I'm they'll, not, they'll I'm not I'm, I'm I'm totally laid back about it. I, I just I just think well, if it does, it does. Like, so what? Like, that's that's my it, opinion. You know, it, it wasn't there before. Right. So <laughs> it, and what did we all do when it wasn't there? You know? Know. Ever, since, just, ever since the people are acting like it's yeah. a, it's an essential part of living, like it's water or oxygen. It's like no, <laughs> it's yeah. no. It's we not. survived thousands of years without it. Exactly. We'll, we'll be yes. fine. <laughs> Plus, there's, uh, there's, other, there's, other, there's other platforms, there's other choices. So yeah. you just go there. Uh, like so now you are the Synthetica, which is which is in the title of this, which will be changing. Uh, yeah. That is written, but it's not published yet. Is that the idea? Yeah, it's sitting with a few publishers at the moment. Um, I'm waiting on hearing back whether they're interested or not. Um, that, that's see, Because I say I'm a dark fiction author, I, I like to I like to write about dark subjects, but I don't like to be pigeonholed into just one thing. So yes, I can write horror, but I can write psychological thrillers, or I can write something that's kind of like sci-fi, uh, but dark. You know. Yeah. Um, so I just I, I think what it is is my head is um, I can sort of I can either sort of mash genres together quite easily. Or I can just say, all right, I'm, I want to hop to that one. I want to hop to that one because I've got this idea. And I, I don't like the idea of being perceived as just being a, a one-trick pony. Right. You know? Well, I, I, well, I, I, I was going to finish on that question. You kind of robbed this from me. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, do you have any interest in writing something other than dark fiction? And you just kind of answered that. So I'm not going to ask that question now. <laughs> I mean, I've also toyed with the idea of, of, of writing something that is uh, non-fiction, um, you know, something that, which is like factual based. Um, um, I'm kind of thinking about doing something uh, uh, about writing about my childhood um, and growing up where I grew up and everything. Um, but that's kind of I, I kind of see that as being something. Right. Well, um, when when synthetic later, later on gets, down the line. 
Yeah. When you do get Synthetica published, if you want to come back and uh, we'll talk about that, and uh, or I, I have a morning program which might be more convenient to you, and I I think my audience in the morning would really dig you and, and dig your personality. And oh, cool, nice uh, one. But, so, but is the one is the one in the morning more comedy? Did you say? Is that, yeah, is that it's a lot more comedy, and there's musician, but comedy and musicians, and, and so that's why I think you know, and and it's got a very interactive chat room. People want to ask questions. And, and get right okay yeah so, cool. um yeah so either way i would love to have you back when the, when the new book comes out uh pleasure talking to you and i appreciate you coming out i wish you great success with the current novella i'm going to say the name again in the <laughs> in the grim dark strands of the spinneret a fairy tale for elders you nailed it that time Matt. <laughs> Keep get some sleep. I'm going to get some sleep too, but it's not two o'clock in the morning for me. Anyway, oh, yeah, it's crazy thanks, time. Thanks for being here. It's been a pleasure. Bye for now. All right, thank you, Matt. Cheers, man. Take Bye. care. Bye. Keith Anthony Baird, folks. Uh, cool guy. He's got my hair. I got to get my hair back. He stole my hair. Uh, anyway, I'd love to know what you think about tonight's program. Get the book, the Grim Dog in the Grim Dog Strands of the Spinneret, a fairy tale for elders. Uh, and that's out now. Well, it's not out now. I think next week. Sometime November of 22. We only have a week left. So it'll be out in a couple of days. Anyway, that's the program for tonight. Hope to see you for Coffee with the Dog tomorrow. Tomorrow, I have two guests. Matt Clark, from a comedian from Worcester, Massachusetts. And Zach Wiseman. You know Zach. He's been, uh, he's actually hosted the show a couple of times. Comedian, a podcaster from Denver, Colorado. They will both be with me in the morning. Till then, I'm Matt Napple from the Mind Dog TV Podcast. Have a great rest of your night, and bye for now.
listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. 